This week, arguments are being heard uh, in a Toronto courtroom, and this is by a coalition of sex workers in a landmark hearing that they hope is going to lead to the full decriminalization of sex work in this country. And you will recall that back in 2013, it seems like a lifetime ago, the Supreme Court of Canada ruled that three criminal prohibitions on prostitution were unconstitutional, and it was on the grounds that it would cause or could cause harm to a sex worker and contravene that workers' rights to liberty and security. Well, the groups now are arguing that instead of recognizing sex workers' rights and well-being by decriminalizing their work, the government has now created a set of rules and laws that actually put them into more dangerous situations because, yeah, they have the right to work. They can't do that work now out in the open, which forces many of them then to go into either isolation or underground, which can create many, many dangerous situations. Monica Forrester is an outreach coordinator at Maggie's Sex Work Action. She joins us now. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh, hi. Thank you. I think I, I kind of explained that maybe in layman's terms. Do I have that right? Uh, yeah. So it's Monica Forrester. I'm actually the manager of the outreach program. So Yeah, no, I, I'm talking about the issue itself. The issue yeah, is... Yeah, that's yeah. Okay. Okay. So it's not that you're, it's not that sex trade workers are not allowed to negotiate what the sexual act or, or what's being negotiated. It's how that happens, correct? Well, not necessarily, because there's also that communication piece that's part of those negotiations that's illegal. So we're not allowed to communicate prices or sex through interactions with clients. So that makes it problematic when kind of, you know what I mean, making those decisions around doing the work, around safety, around where that's going to happen. So also criminalizing the client also creates this unsafe work environment for sex workers. So how then um, is the feeling in the sex trade that it's less safe than maybe even before when rights were not recognized at all? Yeah, well, you know, the last set of laws were still unsafe in many ways because we couldn't communicate we couldn't have uh, third-party workers. We couldn't, uh, you know, work together. But these new laws, when we look at how uh, clients are criminalized through the, as sex workers aren't criminalized, but clients are criminalized, which makes it really hard for sex workers to establish safety in a way of, you know, screening their clients. Because now clients, uh, you know, a lot of our screenings through texting or through phone but they don't want to give us their names, their phone numbers, so which creates really this unsafe environment with, you know, not knowing who's coming to your workplace. What kind of safety measures are uh, sex trade workers actually putting in place? Have they designed their own internal system? I mean, what kinds of techniques and, and tactics are being used as it is now to protect themselves? Well, really, it's, it's you know, individual for everyone. And I think take it's taking rest, really. There's really not really anything that, that's in place to actually protect sex workers when working and establishing these safety nets. You know what I mean? So we haven't, and also we got to recognize um, the coercion law within, these, in these, uh, within this new bill doesn't allow us to actually have conversations around how to stay safe, where to work, how to work. Right, because then we're looked at as trafficking each other into the industry. So there's so many different parts of these new laws that really create this unsafe workspace. And just uh, like just um, what I say, we work in silo most of the time because we can't engage with other sex workers around the work that we're doing. 
I think the other issue is also that um, when there is an issue and or a complaint or that you feel unsafe, it's not necessarily taken as seriously by law enforcement. It's just kind of brushed off as, well, that's what they do for a living. Is that correct? Yes, it is. And I can speak from my own experience that uh, about four years ago, actually being confronted with someone with the name. And, you know, I thought, okay, I'm going to call the police. I don't really do that. But I felt like because this person was in my community, near where I lived, I thought, okay, I'm going to call them because it really was a scary moment. They did come, they did a report, and I never heard anything for three months. And then the follow-up, I had a back door actually message saying, oh, we closed the case with not enough evidence. And there was so much evidence. There were cameras. They knew where this person was residing. You know what I mean? And nothing was done. So I did an internal investigation of the situation to find out they didn't take this seriously and they didn't follow up immediately to, to actually get camera footage to find out who this person is. So this person is still living at large in my community. But this happens so many for so many sex workers that were not believed, like you said, you know, we're blamed for our own violence because of the work that we're doing. But inherently the work is involved you know, I can work. I work in community services. I deal with violence all the time from people that are marginalized. You know, people that I see. So it's because of the laws that, and no labor laws, that really puts us at risk of not being able to have police actually take these things seriously or urgently uh, when these things happen. Yeah, and the last thing you'll do is call 911. If you think the police are going to save you, you'll just have to save yourself um, if you can't rely on that. You know, the Trudeau government has had an awful long time. I mean, they've had seven years to bring forward a motion that could change these laws, and yet they've chosen not to. Yeah, so they're really, exactly. So, as you know, they're, we're, we're living in a very conservative kind of country, even though they're, we have a liberal government. What Trudeau said through his campaigning when he was campaigning for the prime minister, that he said these laws were unconstitutional and he would challenge them when he came to office. And it seems like he's put that at the back burner and has done nothing to, to do that, right? So, uh, and statistically, when we look at statistics around violence and murder, around police's presence, around policing and actually investigating um, unsolved murders or violence, you know what I mean? Uh, things are still not happening. So, and when we look at the Exploited Persons Act, it specifically says cops, Police officers are there to work with sex workers and give them that extra tool to investigate these things, which is not true. <clears throat> what other changes, other than lifting the remaining um, uh, barriers, uh, what else needs to change in order to make it safer? Well, we need to bring back the average, you know, as you know, uh, any third party advertising. So, advertising was very vital for a lot of sex workers to be able to advertise, to work out of their homes, you know what I mean, to establish a more safety net. So that's mm -hmm. one thing. You know, undecriminalized sex uh, clients. You know, we have this narrative that men that, that, uh, that uh, you know, proposition sex workers are deviant and violent people. As someone that's been in the industry over 30 years, I've maybe had two situations, right? So a lot of these men are very, you know, Nice guys that are just looking for a little fun, and you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And like, 
home, right? But we're, we're also going to remember piggybacking on the missing and murdered, which is something that's happening among a lot of indigenous women and girls and two-spirited people. But I think this was just kind of like the weight of the backlash that the government was seeing around protecting and bringing more visibility to the violence that indigenous people face was to throw these laws in place. But if we look at the laws and who they affect, where these, these laws criminalize indigenous folks, people of color, trans and two-spirited people, people that are visible and marginalized, right? So these laws really don't help to support people in the industry. They actually make it worse for people in the industry. Nonetheless, we'll see what happens. It's an important court case in the courts this week, and um, I don't know if we'll have a decision right away, but certainly a lot of implications. Very much appreciate your time. Yeah, no problem. Have a great day, and thank you. That is uh, Monica Forrester joining us here, uh, part of this uh, group advocating that they decriminalize sex trade work altogether. And it is a little puzzling because the prime minister did, in fact, promise, uh, like he did with the uh, blood ban, um, that he'd all get that reversed. And I still don't think the blood ban um, for gay blood donors has been completely ironed out. But we're seven years in. You've had a long time to do these. You're a feminist, you know, prime minister. Not yet done.